This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by... Video Games Monthly. You may have heard us talk about this one, but you have to check out Video Games Monthly. They're a monthly subscription service that delivers retro video games right to your door, and you never have to send them back. VGM is a must for gamers who love retro video games and are trying to build or rebuild their collection. Every month they send out a variety of games, both well-known retro favorites to the unique ones, to make sure you consistently get a well-rounded gaming experience. Video Games Monthly offers boxes of 3, 4, or even 10 games for any combination of NES, SNES, Nintendo 64, Sega Genesis, and both Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Take a look at their website at www.videogamesmonthly.com to sign up for your monthly variety of retro video games. And remember to tell them that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and I got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, of course, this is the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We are a twice-weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And every single episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with the Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, good one on the old uh, bush light there. Good old bush light. Oh, yeah. Cheers. The king of the cheap beer. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And of course, Deuce, we love to have guests with us on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And we're very, very excited to have an amazing guy. He's awesome. He's a director of this amazing film called The Dark Side of Disney. Welcome to the show, Philip Swift. Hi, guys. I feel I feel bad. I already opened my beer. So I guess give me one second. I'll just take a big sip. Oh, do it, brother. Cheers. We're, we're already, uh, we've already done one interview tonight, so we might be three or four in on yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So I had the sip. It's not the same as opening one, but the sip is there. <laughs> cheers, everyone uh, at home. Cheers. cheers. Drink responsibly, yeah. as yes. we say. Yep, always drink responsibly. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This is very exciting. Yes. Well, I was kind of like, wanna, we want to kind of like just have a, a small small disclaimer. Uh, I used to work for Disney. I have a lot of friends that still are employed by the Walt Disney World Company. And, of course, these are uh, not the expressed uh, uh, express opinions of the Walt Disney World Company. Uh, this is stuff that's based on your film and your opinions. And, obviously, the happy the hour. Yeah. The book. Uh, uh, Leonard Kinsey. Is that that's correct, his name? I think I Yeah, that. Leonard Kinsey, yeah. author of the, the best-selling travel guide, The Dark Side of Disney. Yes. And, of course... This is just the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce's opinions as well. So, of course, uh, take that into consideration. Yeah, we don't sponsor or condone any of the acts that may have happened in the film or the book. Uh, if you do them, that is at your own accord, and judgment will be handed to you uh, likewise. Exactly. So, of course, uh, the, the, the typical questions is asking you, you know, how did you get started? and all that, But I think a lot of it you kind of explained in the film. And for those... I guess we'd like to start off by saying, you know, for those that have not seen the film, can you give them a basic premise of what this is about? Yeah, definitely. The book, uh, The Dark Side of Disney, is um, referred to as the anarchist cookbook of Disney travel guides. And it basically is um, how to have fun at the park from a more adult perspective than what people are. All these tips on like the five best places, uh, uh, five best places to do drugs, five best places, uh, five worst places to do drugs, which I think is a, a funny little, little section of it. It tells you about the best places to have sex in the park. It tells you um, uh, how to you know get free parking, as simple as they're very mundane things, but then also these big, uh, huge things. The uh, best way to drink around the world and all that kind of stuff that people I'm sure are a little bit familiar with. Uh, and so I made a film, um, the last documentary I made was called The Bubble, 
and it was about the Disney built town of Celebration, Florida. And when I was trying to um, get a little like promo for it, uh, I sent a copy of it to the author, uh, Leonard Kinsey, um, the author of The Dark Side of Disney, because I thought he might be into it. And he was. And he talked about it on his blog. And then um, we started talking a little more about the whole dark side thing. Uh, and while his book was all about the how and the where and like uh, and the what people do, um, I thought it would be really interesting to examine the why, like what drives a, a person in their in their 30s and 40s um, to want to like go to Epcot every day and jump off the rides and film behind the scenes, and what draws you know people to to you know young you know 20 somethings to to get super stoned and then go see the the concerts at Epcot Center, um, you know why? And so it all started. I guess to give the more personal uh, hint is that um, my mom and I scattered my grandmother's ashes uh, in the park in 2005. We dumped them, uh, took little Ziploc bags of her ashes and dumped them into the moat around the castle at Magic Kingdom. Uh, and that was the first time that I realized this, there was like sort of this kind of dark thing going on that like people, if I was, if I was doing this with my mom, this kind of bonding thing, there had to be more people. Um, and then when I met uh, Leonard and read his book and started thinking about the documentary, that that was what I wanted to do was meet more people like my mom and Leonard and all these other interesting people. And that's that's what we see in the film. Well, Philip, I, I want to tell you this is a, just a personal anecdote. Uh, my mom, who I love very much, and my dad, I was talking to my mom last night and actually told her the story and, about you and, and your grandmother's ashes and everything when I was telling her about the interview. And my mom hasn't seen the movie started tearing up when I told her about this story about you scattering your grandmother's ashes at the moat at Disney and sneaking it in like she like that really hit her and I was like oh my goodness like I didn't expect that kind of reaction on my mother about something like that but I mean that's a really amazing story yeah when we first started this film was a, a kickstarter funded film and when we first started talking about it uh we when we started the the campaign um the, the initial pitch was that it was this adaptation of this book uh, and at first, um, people were very weary of it. They're like, that doesn't sound like something I want to be involved with. That sounds like you're going to do bad things. And then uh, I had it planned that I kind of actually assumed that was going to be the initial reaction. And I had already cut together that sequence with my mom um, that you see early in the film. And uh, about you know, a week into the campaign, the Kickstarter campaign, I, I let that, I really released that as kind of a promo thing. And then people saw that it was more about this emotional connection that, that I had personally. Um, and that I think other people have too. And, and almost every single person that we meet up with in the film has this very like serious emotional connection to why they kind of push the boundaries at the parks. And I think if, uh, again, the, the initial reaction when you see a title like The Dark Side of Disney is that, oh, these guys are going to be, you know, pointing a finger and shaking a stick at, at the Disney Corporation. But at the end of the day, it's really a kind of a a lighter tone for, for a film called the dark side of Disney. Um, and it's more emotional and, and definitely connects to people on a, on a deeper level. So that's, yeah, that's impressive that your mom just based on the anecdote of that would, uh, get teared up. I have to say also like Bush light, uh, that you just said you opened up. That was my grandmother's beer of choice for years. Was for it? Years I, years. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a, a big country boy from Polk County, born and raised in Florida, Polk County, Florida, my whole life. Uh, was raised on many a bush light, so yeah, it's 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 my go-to beer. As much I hate to say it, I mean, people like to say they drink the fancy shit, but no, nah, I love me some bush light. <laughs> yeah, I, part of the we not only did we scatter her ashes at the at the park, we saved some. We scattered them on a beach that near where she grew up. She was a native Floridian, 
And um, we, she smoked more light 100s and she drank Bush Light and her favorite song was Wipeout by The Ventures. Um, <laughs> and so we went out on a beach and we, my, me and my mom and my, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife um, and the other family members, none of us even smoked, but we all smoked uh, a pack of more light 100s. We each had a Bush Light and we listened to Wipeout. It was a good little memorial um, that kind of, you know, counterbalanced the, the dark stuff we did at Disney. Well, yeah, sometimes you need something like that. Like uh, when they burn those ashes to clean a place, you know, sometimes you need like a palate cleanser like that. Like, yeah, let's, let's do this to kind of cleanse the palate of all the other zany craziness we did. Uh, one of the things I, I really loved in the very beginning, and I'm a big fan of montage shots, and uh, I love the – you kind of had this sense when you were showing the cartoons – like, what was the history on finding those cartoons? Because I'd always heard about, like, you know, Disney had had stuff that was kind of not, uh, you know, politically correct, you know, with the whole Nazi stuff and everything like <laughs> yeah. that. And how they imitate, how they portray black people. And, like, was that sure. something that you'd always had in the back of your mind that you wanted to kind of just show real quick? Because I thought that was, like, a perfect point in the film where it kind of was like, all right, this is this is for real. Like, this is really stuff that, you know, people need to be aware of. Yeah, what you're talking about, just to uh, just tell the audience a little more, is that there is a after we sort of do a kind of a intro to the film, uh, it takes a step back and and uh, and I say something like, um, you know, people when you hear the phrase "dark side of Disney," you may think of many things, and then we see all of these different clips, including like the more most recent thing was like the measles outbreak they had at Disneyland, like that's pretty dark, but um, yeah, in the past, uh, you know, p things are made at the time that they are made and they're they, for that reason, they become time capsules of the of culture at that time. Um, so it was a little more acceptable, um, you know, to have these kind of caricatures of, uh, that we now think of as racist stereotypes, um, in, in films like Dumbo and song of the South and, and things like that. Uh, at the time, you know, things were different in the, in the world and in the country and in, in, uh, pop culture and everything. So, uh, I, I think people know a lot about Song of the South. I think that's something that's kind of been brushed under the rug that people still know about. Um, obviously, that old like Three Little Pigs cartoon with like the the, the um, stereotype of the the Jewish like door door salesman is um, something people may have seen. But that that World War Two one is something that is on. It's actually on YouTube, um, which is weird because uh, a lot of Disney stuff isn't. And the reason why it's on YouTube is because um, Disney. It's a very interesting story, actually, and I could ramble about it all day. But his first couple of films, the first, even Snow White, like, was this big hit. But they sunk so much money into it that they couldn't, they barely even broke even. Um, and so, it, it, thankfully, oddly enough, from his perspective, uh, World War II happened. And the Disney company was the company that got the uh, government um, contract to create these, like, short animated sort of propaganda pieces to get people, you know, behind the war efforts. Um, and so what's super interesting then is that they make these films that are like, this is what could happen in America, you know, the Nazis, uh, you know, come to our shores and it's this, you know, Donald Duck cartoon. It's very, very bizarre. At the end of it, he's like, he, he thinks that, um, in the end, it's all a dream, uh, that he's like living in Nazi Germany and he like wakes up to like a shadow of like a, a man with his hand up in the Heil Hitler salute, but it ends up being the shadow of the Statue of Liberty. And he, um, kisses it a bunch and is like, I'm so happy to be American. Um, the interesting thing about those films, though, is that they were paid for by U.S. taxpayers. Like, it's a federal government contract, uh, and you and I, as U.S. citizens, actually own the rights to those Disney cartoons. Wow. Um, yeah, which is like a weird little like legal loophole as a, as a documentary filmmaker that always gets me excited. 
Well, I, you know, I, it, that's what I love about doing this show is like I you learn something, you learn something I never never knew about that stuff. So like this is like you're seeing like the people at home can't see it, but you can see like my honest like as you're telling the story, I'm just like, tell me more. I, I need more of this. This is really yeah, interesting it, to me. It's, if it wasn't for uh, World War II, the Disney Corporation would have gone under in the, in the 40s. They would have been done because they couldn't have they they that was like what kept them like you know strung them along. Because people forget that, like after um, Snow White, it was Fantasia, and Fantasia was this like bizarre experimental like bomb that um, didn't just didn't succeed at the time. And we've been able to like go back and look at it and realize what they were trying to do. But at the time, people were like, "What is this? What are you doing?" Um, so yeah, they were they were hard up for some work, and the U.S. government bailed them out basically. One of the one of the things that was very uh, I don't know just poignant for me was the whole story of the. I don't know if you, I don't know what you called them in the film custodials or uh, I don't know what you called the oh chief yeah chief in them yeah we're like, gonna have a beer for chief later in this episode because yeah. God that story hit me hard yeah that that story alone like could have been its own film like it was so deep and hit me in a really uh, personal level because I mean I think we all know people that we you know, were really close to that you lose you know and that someone that you part of you feels like that you've you you know someone so close to you that when they're gone like part of you is gone forever and i think that mm-hmm. kind of hit me in a really really strong place and i was just curious how all that started with you i know you talk a little bit about it in the film yeah there so there was um two guys uh they went by the names of hoot and chief and uh they um have for for years now for uh, and i remember stumbling across it a long time ago they have a youtube channel called mesa verde times where they have put up hours and hours and hours and hours of all this sort of behind the scenes stuff that they captured at the Disney parks. And, uh, basically they, they became super, they were super interested in the behind the scenes workings of all the slow, what they call dark rides. You know, they don't jump off the like space mountain or anything, but, um, things like horizons or, um, even pirates of the Caribbean and, uh, things like that. They they would get on the ride and then they would jump off and they would snoop around behind the scenes and and videotape uh, all the little you know secret nook, nooks and crannies. And so I probably I don't know ten years ago at least if not longer remember finding them uh, their videos because I was trying to find just doing random research on on Horizons which was always my favorite ride at Epcot. Um, and they had all of these like ride through videos and all these behind the scenes stuff and I just thought oh that's really cool and I watched a bunch of them and, and then never really thought about it again. And then in the dark side of Disney, the book, uh, there's an interview with with Hoot Gibson about the whole process of of why they did it and what they went through to do it, and it's a really interesting interview. Um, and then on the sometime later on the Drunk on Disney podcast with Dana Snyder and Guy Hutchinson, um, I'd heard an interview with Hoot that like also blew me away. This kind of first person account of like sneaking behind how he and and Chief had this um, understanding that. Uh, if one of them were to like die while like behind the scenes, if they were snooping around and maybe they like got their leg caught in like a chain and they were pulled underwater on the the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, they would just the other person would just leave because they couldn't they didn't want to be arrested for trespassing and then also like involuntary manslaughter and all this stuff. And they he had this amazing interview where he talked about how he he always had it in his head that if if Chief were to get like sucked under the boat or something. Um, he would just have to like wave goodbye and like walk out of the park and like wipe a tear from his eye and not, never be able to tell anyone what happened to Chief. Um, Gosh, Johnny, man. I promise you right here on the podcast, I will never let you get drug under by a boat. I will grab you and we'll both get arrested <laughs> together. You and Lieutenant Dan style, no more legs. I no will legs. Drag you out of the, I will drag you out of the park and we'll both get arrested together. 
Wow, I'm like this whole story alone is like so amazing. This is comedy gold right here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you yeah, like really 20, can't literally beat stories twenty years like of experience. Twenty years of experience of these guys doing this shit. They they met each other in the late eighties, um, working together as like custodians in the park. Um, they wanted to like learn how to be like imagineers and build animatronics and stuff. And when they went and asked the the people were like, oh, you need six years, like a master's in engineering. Uh, and they both were like, you know, screw that. Let's just go learn it. Um, and you see in the film that, that Hoot has put all of that, like, you know, research into, you know, practical use. Uh, and he's, he now designs like all of the, um, animatronic and, uh, um, you know, sort of park-like stuff at the Pirates Cove Adventure Golf in Orlando. Yeah. Which is still blowing up Pirates yeah. Cove. And, it's awesome. I really related to that story because I didn't work at a magical place. I worked at maybe another theme park that was there in the Orlando area, and I had my own chief. And so, like, when I heard that story, I related to it because I was like, I had another guy that was older than me that took me under his wing and showed me all these crazy things when I worked there that I would have never seen otherwise. And mm-hmm. it's like something you can relate to being a native Floridian. And uh, most native Floridians, I can think, can say they worked at least one theme park job in their life oh, for the sure most part. So, you know, you could really, really relate to it. Yeah, it's and it's just, you know, and, and not to spoil too much, but then in the film, uh, and it's, you know, public record, and we just talked about it, but, yeah, Chief, uh, eventually, um, he w- had cancer and he passed away in the last couple of years. And um, Hoot recently on the Mesa Verde Times YouTube channel, it was like the, the newest thing they'd post. They hadn't posted anything in years. And he just posted the video of him um, sneaking into the park, sneaking uh, hoots, or sorry, sneaking chiefs uh, ashes into the park and, and scattering them in a, in a specific spot that he always said he was going to do. Did he? Um, did he do it? It's a really interesting video because it's not. Like, it's not cut. Like, what's that? Did he do it at the Coke Corner? Because when he was telling the story in the movie, like that hit me pretty hard. Where he's like, "This guy is dying, and the only thing he wants to do is go have a hot dog and a Coke." At the yeah. corner, like this is the one thing he's getting really upset about. Not that he's going to die, but he can't go back to Disney and have a Coke and a hot dog at the Coke Corner, and that like that punched me right in the gut. Mm. Yeah, I think it is Coke Corner. It's hard to tell exactly because it's what's interesting about the way it's shot is that it's not like a. It's just sort of the stream of consciousness, sort of like you know, cell phone video. Um, that is deeply affecting. Actually, I, re- I recommend it if you if you want to get deeper in the the Hoot and Chief, um, you know, rabbit hole. Uh, they, his wife is like filming it and they're in Coke corner and they, what they do is they go in, uh, and they dump the ash, they get a drink and they drink it like a, a Coke cup and then they fill it with uh, the ashes. And then he goes over to like this fence and kind of just like tosses them over this fence. Uh, but when he comes back and this whole thing is like uncut, just cell phone footage, uh, he comes back and sits down and, and you just immediately like, he like loses it. And it's, uh, it's such an emotional, like visceral moment. Um, you know, like as a documentary filmmaker, I, I tend to, you know, do, you know, uh, no secret, do a little bit of editing and put a little bit of music and do things like that to toy with people's emotions. Um, but this like raw video of Hoot just like breaking down, it was, was more powerful than anything I did. Uh, it's, it's very impressive. Well, um, yeah. Well, I think it's one of the things I loved about your movie. I've got to say, it's the first time I've actually watched a whole movie on my phone because that was the only way I could do it. So I was actually laying in bed uh, the other night, and I watched the whole thing on my phone. uh, And it was so poignant because, like, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be funny. Like, they're going to be doing these crazy stuff. Like, I almost pictured, like, Jackass at Disney kind of when I went (laughs) into it. I'm like, oh, they're going to do all this craziness. And then it would be, like, funny, funny, funny. 
punch in the gut. And I'm like, oh, I did not see that coming. I didn't think I would get teared up at this, you know, at, you know, 930 at night when I tried to go to bed. Like, I didn't think this was going to happen. And there's well, so <laughs> much. And I got to say, as a filmmaker, it's amazing because there's so many peaks and valleys in the film. Like, you'll you'll do some high stuff where, like, oh, this is amazing, this is funny. And then you just you just you sucker punch you from the right. And it's like. I did not see that coming. This is so poignant. This is so deep, especially like uh, with the kid you guys pick up near the end of the yeah. film. Like, oh my god, some of that stuff with him was really deep, and I was like, like I felt bad for that kid, so bad for that kid. Logan is he's spectacular. He he uh, is just this young young guy who like wants to have a good time, but he has some you know some issues like like we all do, um, and he goes to Disney as his like safe place. Uh, but then every now, but then you, if anyone who's you know you've done drugs, if you drank too much, uh, you know that sometimes those kind of emotions kind of bubble up to the surface and get to be a little overwhelming. Uh, yeah, and that I, that's something like I, I can't even that sequence the way it plays out, and I feel like I feel bad for your audience right now because they don't know what we're talking about. But it's, I almost don't. I just want people to see it. Like he, this kid's obsessed with Christopher Cross. He comes to Epcot to see it. He gets he drops acid and like smokes so much weed, and then goes to see Christopher Cross, and he's just moved. He's just so emotionally moved by the music, um, and obviously, you know, he's under the influence of several drugs. But uh, that that moment screening that film in Anaheim uh, was interesting because it was we screened it during D twenty three, which is the you know the world's like largest Disney fan convention, right. And like almost everybody from the film came out, which is amazing. Like Logan, you know, born and raised in Florida, hardly has traveled at all. He like saved up money like uh, to come out to this Anaheim screening. And I kept saying like, oh, do you want to see the movie beforehand? I'll send you a link. I'll send you a DVD, whatever I got to do. And he kept saying, no, I don't. I want to wait. I'll, I'll wait and see it uh, fresh. Um, and so he came out and who, who was the only person that didn't come out? Almost everybody else uh, from the film was there. Leonard and my mom and a bunch of other people. Um and so yeah, when that scene happens where he's he's singing uh, the Christopher Cross song, um, and there's no music, it's just him singing, and the, the entire audience is just like dead silent. And then he, you know, he this single tear falls out of his eye as he becomes overwhelmed with the emotion, uh, and he looks at me, he sees that I'm filming him, he he catches that I, that I caught him cry on camera, and then he immediately just like flicks me off and is like so annoyed. Uh, and what was great with the audience was that it was just dead silent. They were just so uncomfortable. And then when he flicks off the camera, everyone erupted in laughter. It cuts to black and everybody just erupted in applause. And it was, I think, I hope that he, he walked out of there a little, a little happier, a little more confident. Uh, cause people really like, they really tapped into his like character and his story and, um, really responded to him well. Well, I gotta say, like, I'm not a drug user or anything like that, but dude's got major buku balls, like, go to disney tripping that hard like i would be i, I mean i i've never done anything like that so i can't really even say but i would be like paranoid that like the minute i walked <laughs> in the park like they'd be like nope he's high as fuck get him out of here arrest that man like or even yeah just like you, you get super stoned and then like you see like mickey mouse and you're like oh shit yeah <laughs> talking mouse and he's like <laughs> i like to drop acid and then i go to the haunted mansion i'm like are you are you fucking mental brother? Like yeah, you have got yeah. such buku balls. Like I, I tip my hat to that guy. I, you Definitely. know, I'm not a drug user at all. I don't endorse using drugs, but my goodness, that guy is like pro level. Yeah. 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 He is. He's, he's a, he's expert for sure. I, I think what's interesting about your film is 
there's so much dynamics to it. Like as you talk, you start off the film with your mom, and like it kind of sets this tone for the rest of the film. It's like because you hit on her earlier, you were like, "There's adults that still love Disney," you know. And your mom was talking about how you know she was still treated the same, and how you know you had that awesome shot. And I don't know if that was just coincidence or what, but Goofy giving her a hug or a high five, and I was like, "Oh, that was so cool!" Like I hit me in a in a good spot because like. I, I used to work for Disney as well, and there's a certain way Disney does things. And, you know, when you're on stage, as they call it, like when you're on, on the job, like that's – you're supposed to forget everything and just you're supposed to treat everyone the same and, like, that's your job and your profession. And, you're you know, you're supposed to have that Disney magic, have that experience. And and that, I just thought that was a really cool shot because, like, it kind of hit what your mom was saying in the film about how, you know – just because she's getting older, you know, like that, this, she still loves Disney. It still hits a special place in her heart. And I think that's something that a lot of us, you know, feel, and, you know, Deuce and I are in our thirties and like, we, we still love Disney. Like we, I'm we going Friday. He's going Friday. Actually. Yeah, I'm doing the food and wine with my girlfriend and my mom and dad. And it's going to be the first time my mom and dad have been to Epcot since probably dad hasn't been since the eighties. I don't think mom's been since the nineties. So, I mean, it's been a long time, and they're so excited about doing the food around the world, and we're going to drink around the world. and Which we'll uh, get into later. Yeah, we're going to get into that later, but so excited about that. But speaking of moms, my mom is also a cancer survivor. I want to ask mm. you about your mom. How's she doing? She's doing great. She's now um, – she's got like the – is it four year like clean bill of health, like totally like clean. And like I think after four years is like mile marker where they're like, okay – you don't have to come back like every month or every six months or whatever it is. So that's awesome. She's doing really well. Congratulations, yeah. brother. Yeah, she, coming she's from coming someone... for the Orlando. You can't, I mean, you can't stop her. She's coming to the Orlando screening. Well, she... man, I I can't wait. I would actually love to meet your mom in person because she reminds me a lot of my mom. And then when that's she great. said the thing about the cancer and how she had the pin and people, she's like, you know, half a dozen people walked up to me and said, hey, you're going to be okay. And then would just walk off. I was like, that is, you know – the world gets a bad rap because there's a lot of bad things that go on in the world. But, you know, when you get people in a certain environment, there's good people still in the world that still kind of mm -hmm. look out for each other. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a small break um, and we'll be back with the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. This episode of the happy hour is brought to you by Free Play Florida. It'll be Friday, November 20th through Sunday, November 22nd. Graydon Clark, classic B-movie director of almost 30 feature films, including sci-fi, horror, and pop culture, will be at the show. He's the director of Joysticks and Movie, and they'll have a screening of it Friday night with a Q&A followed after. Also, Walter Day and Billy Mitchell, the founder of Twin Galaxy's International Scoreboard, and Billy Mitchell's the star of King of Kong movie, will be there to talk to you guys live. And don't forget, Dennis Nordman and Greg Ferreris, classic pinball designers of some of the most famous machines ever made, will also be on hand taking your question. And Deuce, for Five Nights at Freddy's Freaks, Aaron Fetcher of Creative Engineering and the genius behind the showbiz pizza place, Rock of Fire Explosion, animatronic band that heavily influenced Five Nights at Freddy's, will be there with his characters. And that's just getting started, Deuce. They have over 200 arcade games and pinball machines. Every classic console you can think of, a tournament for Smash Brothers and pinball games, and challenges of games of all kinds. And remember to tell them that the official, official podcast of Free Play Florida Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you.
And we're back with the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, and I'm Johnny. And I'm Deuce. And of course, uh, we have our good friend here, Philip Swift. He has an amazing film called The Dark Side of Disney. And Philip, this is actually coming to uh, us, Orlando, our local base here. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think you can't make a film about, uh, specifically, the, the majority of the film takes place at Disney World, uh, and to make a film about Disney World and not come to Orlando to screen it is kind of a sacrilegious. We, we've done an Anaheim screening already, uh, which was a huge hit. We actually just did a Chicago screening randomly uh, this past weekend, which was totally sold out, which I was very concerned. I was <laughs> worried about doing a screening somewhere other than Orlando or Anaheim because uh, of the Disney connection, and then to go to somewhere like Chicago where people don't care about Disney at all for the most part, uh, and to sell out was awesome. Um, so we're bringing it to Orlando on November 14th, and we're screening it at Gods and Monsters, which is this massive like comic and collectible shop in downtown Orlando. The place is crazy. Like They, they can seat 250 people for a screening. Um, they have a full bar. They do you know all these like crazy costume contests and stuff like that. So what we are doing um, to make it even a more fun event than it already is, is that from um, on uh, Saturday, November 14th, from 6 to 9, before the screening, we're actually hosting a uh, Dark Side of Disney costume contest there at the space. And you can win gift certificates to Gods and Monsters. You can win, win um, signed copies of the book, uh, The Dark Side of Disney, signed copies of the movie on DVD. Uh, it's not even technically out on DVD yet. I had some special ones made just for this. Um, and many other prizes. Uh, and it should be a lot of fun because also the, the judging panel is going to be people from the film. Uh, it's going to be the author of the book, Leonard Kinsey. It's going to be my mom, Beth Swift. Uh, it's going to be, I think my wife has agreed to do it. She, she's excited about it. She shows up in the movie a little bit. Um, and I think Hoot Gibson. Hoot Gibson is the last. He's definitely coming, but he hasn't confirmed if he's going to be a judge or not. Um, so we'll do a little, have some fun times, get to meet everybody, talk about the movie before they get to see it. Uh, and then at 9.30 p.m. we'll be screening, um, and then we'll do a little like, Q&A kind of like hangout session afterwards. Um, and people can – it's going to sell out, I think. We're working on it. Um, but if they go to the website for the film, it's the easiest way to, to get people to get tickets ahead of time. Uh, the website is dsoddoc.com. So it's like darksideofdisneydoc.com. Uh, and they can find out how to get tickets. It's only 15 bucks. Uh, it's a good deal because it's going to be um, a super fun time for sure. Well, awesome, and I definitely want to tell all of our Happy Hour Deuce friends to go out there. Gods and Monsters is an awesome place. Don't forget to mention the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce sent you. They've they've got a bar there, which is awesome, which the Happy Hour fans like. And uh, like I said, just don't forget to name drop us because we would love to do actually some more work with Gods and Monsters and do some more promotions with them. Um, so definitely don't forget to mention us when you're out there. And when you see Philip and everybody, just tell them, you know, hey, I heard about it on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And uh, go and see him, man, because this movie, like I said, is phenomenal. Like, I, when I went in, and, and, and no offense, Philip, I, I really didn't know what to expect. And then when I watched it, once I got done, I was, like, flabbergasted. I was like, this is an amazing film. Like, <laughs> especially being a Floridian all my life, it kind of encapsulates a lot of that Floridian experience of, you know, working at at, at, diff, at theme parks at you know dealing with all this stuff and all the behind the scenes things because one of my favorite parts of the film is when you show the people backstage and you had to blank some people's faces out and they're they're grabbing their business they're doing the generation <laughs> x crotch chop and they're you know they're you know they're basically going hog wild and flipping the bird and you know full costume and they're like we hate our life and that was my favorite That's... thing 
the one I love that you love that because that was sent to me randomly by a Kickstarter backer. Really? Um, yeah, a guy. This guy has been amazing. He um, has sent me so much stuff, uh, and we've just become really good friends. Um, and what's crazy about it is that that I have now have access to all the footage that from that stuff that you're talking about. This okay, it was shot yeah. in like late '80s, early early '90s. Oh yeah. Um, and it's like a documentary unto itself. It's about 90 minutes long of footage. And it tells the story of the last day of these like three little pigs costumes before they were going to like, de- you know, decommission them or something. Um, and it's just all of this insane footage behind the scenes. There's just, I, I couldn't even like put it all in there. because There's so much of it. There's a part where they like the three little pigs and the big bed wolf like storm into like the administration offices at Disneyland. I think it's at Disneyland, not Disney World. Yeah. Um, and they are just like chanting and like saying like, hell no, we won't go. And like <laughs> storming through all these offices. And what's great, I mean, not to pitch it even more, but um, if you uh, come out to the screening, we, we are going to be selling DVDs. And part of the DVD is that you get uh, a special... Uh, access to online special features like you get uncut interviews um, uh, and uh, access to uncut uh, extended footage like that like so you you can get watch the entire 90 minute uh, uncut um, behind the scenes stuff um, also like one of the big things I was just in Florida last weekend for or two weekends ago now uh, for this animation convention in Miami called animate Miami and the, re- the only reason I was there is because Anaheim the Anaheim screening was this huge hit uh, in the film, we have um, Dana Snyder, uh, who is a you know a voice actor who was on um, Aquatine Master Hunger Shake, Force. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I feel like My I arch nemesis it. actually. Oh yeah, why is that? <laughs> yeah, tell the story, dude. Yeah, okay. So like we we had this huge episode where we talked about how much we loved Aquatine Hunger Force. We thought it was amazing. Uh, I'm a redneck from Polk County, and I don't know how to spell well. So I sent him a tweet saying, "Hey, we'd love to have you on the show," and I think because it. Having the link to our podcast took too long, so I think uh, the tweet ended up being "love to have you" or something that sounded semi-sexual, mm. and he was like, uh, "No, I'm not going to do your show." <laughs> I'm, and I'm gonna... like, "Oh man, I'm really, really sorry. Like, I've loved your show forever. You're the greatest." And he's like, "You're the worst." And then I, 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 I texted him back and I said, "Hey." Or he said something about like, "You really need to get somebody on this. Don't you have a PR department?" And I said. Uh, I actually am the PR department for our podcast. He's like, you need to be fired. So, like, we had this Twitter banter back and forth that was basically him just just reaming my ass for, like, That's four or hilarious. five tweets back and forth. And I get it because the dude's a comedian. I'm a comedian. Like, I get it. Right. If I was in his shoes, I would have done the exact same thing. But, like, I have been – begging pleading you know i would send him cases of beer if it would make him get on the show just because like this is a guy like i grew up watching aqua teen hunger force and love it and i I actually through your uh your movie i actually found his you know podcast and checked it out and it's phenomenal and i'm like oh my god like drunk on disney is this is really great like we love the cat, so I'm like, I really want you on, but I feel like now that he's my arch Twitter nemesis, I don't know if it's going to work or not. So I think you should just keep building it, keep building it to like this that's big what I'm going to do. What I really like want to do a... is kind of like a WWE style, like yes, WWF yeah, yeah, promo. Like you won't come on our show, brother, because I'll tell yeah. you what, you aren't going to deal with what's going to happen to you on the happy hour. We're going to drop the SmackDown and you know steel cage match with barbed wire, you know, or yeah. something. I don't know, but build it up because I love. Love the cat to death. I think he's hysterical. He's just—he's funny in your movie. I almost wish he had a little bit more in your movie because well, he's just so funny. He, if you 
if you check out this DVD and the access to the online special features, you get the entire uncut interview. Wow. Nice. Um, I'll tell you what, which, that right there is worth buying it, folks. Like, it, yeah. if you're an Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan, buy it for that. The guy's Dana phenomenal. Is, He's funny. So, Dana I mean, he is amazing. Yeah, he came out to the Anaheim screening, and, and uh, again, he was the other one that, like, he was like, oh, I'll see it at the, at the thing. Um, and he came, and he, and he, like, loved it. He hung out with the whole Q&A, and then he emailed me, like, a week later and said, you have to, your movie's so good, you have to come to this animation convention in Miami and sell DVDs. Um, and so, I, like, I, it was insane. Like, I, I'm coming from your school, Deuce. Like, I... I uh, I grew up, I remember, like, in my mom's basement, like, you know, at, like, 2 a.m. or whatever, like, watching Aqua Teen and just, like, laughing my ass off by oh, myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, I say that to him in the beginning of the interview uh, when, we, when we shot that last year. I, I had to get that out of the way. I was like, just let you, you know, super fan, get it yeah. out of the way, let's move on. Uh, and so then all of a sudden, you know, a year later from that, like, interviewing him in the back of this restaurant where we just got wasted uh, during the interview. Oh, and I could um, tell. That's why I loved during the interview. You could kind of tell, like, because at a certain point he's drinking water. I'm like, that bitch don't drink water. And then I look yeah, at his eyes and I'm like, end, oh, yeah, that's why he's drinking water. He's had a few. <laughs> definitely. And then and then jump forward, like, to the last, you know, two weekends ago when um, I, I'm sitting at a booth, like, next to Dana Snyder, like, like w watching this line of people, of course, uh, lined up with all of these, like, Aqua Teen, like, paraphernalia stuff, waiting to get signed. And uh, and I'm just sitting there next to him, like, with no, no line, <laughs> just being like, hey, guys, he's in this movie. Uh, Come it check was, it out. Uh, yeah. It was great. It was, like, such a he's, – he's a great guy, and that, that speaks, like, how much of a great guy he is, that he, like, was willing to back this movie and invite me to this convention and help me out with all that stuff. Um, so any beef that he has <laughs> with you guys is – Oh, yeah. It's totally back, just sure. comedic. That's hilarious. And, yeah. Great. I, I, and I love it. And I love Dana. I'll, I'll say it uh, forever. I love the guy. I think Master Shake is one of my favorite characters. And I remember – same story as you – you know, being younger, you know, at my parents' house, you know, watching late at night the original Adult Swim with Aqua Teen Hunger Force and drinking cheap beer and just laughing my ass off. And Dana's yeah. a the funny, funny guy, and he's got an open-door policy on this podcast if he'll uh, stop the hate, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's like a freight train of a of a of a talker that like he'll barrel he through. So that's why he's only in the movie for like, I don't know, he's only in the movie for maybe two minutes at the Not most. Not even, because yeah, because I, I watched it I was like, there's got to be I more find, than this because I know this I, guy can talk his ass off. Like, there's got to be more than this, like, couple yeah. minutes. And it's one with the real drink me. in front of him, one with the ice water in front of him. Like, oh, because <laughs> you had the first question, and then you had to wait until he kind of, like, tapped out. And then you get the last question. Yeah, you can see me, like, sitting there at the computer, like, trying to find an edit point. And it was good, but it just, like, <laughs> just rambling, 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 rambling. Yeah, that sounds uh, like Johnny every week cutting me off from all my rambling. He's like, uh, wh what of this do I got to cut off of Deuce? Because he went on for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the things that I, I actually love the most that hit me, um, and obviously we're not trying to spoil your whole movie here, but they, people need to go out and check this film out. They need to go to Orlando uh, for our local listeners. But the juxtaposition of old footage and new footage when you guys were drinking around the world, like that hit me really hard because mm -hmm. I had forgotten to be honest, how, how much Disney has changed. And I kind of want to talk about how much just in general, uh, Disney has changed a lot throughout the years. And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's just fascinating. Like I think what's happening and we're reaching a tipping point with it uh, is that it's, they build this great foundation, um, and I think the Magic Kingdom, 
is the least uh, problematic with this, this this theory that I have um, is that they build this great foundation in each of the parks, specifically at Disney World. Um, and over time, parts, you know, they got a little outdated or they started kind of falling into disrepair. Uh, and they would come in and they do kind of these quick patch jobs, uh, specifically in Epcot. Epcot seems to be really getting the worst of it. Um, and it just doesn't have the same vibe. And you come into certain places and it just smells gross or dirty or you realize, oh, that's not that's that paint job's kind of crappy or that used to be this like uh, I think the Wonders of Life Pavilion of Epcot is like such a weird thing now because it used to be this, you know, interactive experience. They have the Body Wars. Body ride. Wars was had... amazing. I used to love Body Wars. Yeah, they had Cranium Command, which is basically oh, yeah. what Pixar did with Inside Out. Um, they have uh, they had the, the story of me, which is like the, the whole sex ed thing with Martin Short. Yep. Uh, and it was like kind of cool. It was it was interesting and they had some fun stuff. And now it's just like this weird expo hall where they try to like sell you wine and like give cooking demonstrations. You're like, what what is this? Like this, is, this seems like you were worried. about I don't know. And so that's what seems to be happening specifically at Epcot, but definitely at some of the other parks, too. Um, is that it's just like they're 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 too busy trying to maintain it and just kind of like put a new pay, coat of paint on it, uh, and they're not really trying to like innovate and do anything different or new. Um, and but also then just with, cashing in on stuff that they're popular with, because like with I love Maelstrom back in Norway. Yeah, oh yeah, I love that ride. It was freaky and kind of just like esoteric. You had no idea what was going on really. And it was just that, that moment where you kind of almost think you're going to go off the ledge outside. You know, you've read that before. And you're like, oh, and then it doesn't. And you're like, okay. And it's really weird, you know, and it, uh, very metaphysical. Like, you have no idea what's happening, but it's still fun. And, of course, that's gone now. And they're uh, supposedly going to be putting in, allegedly, uh, putting in a, a Frozen ride. It's going to be like a Frozen yeah. ride. Imagine, and all those pavilions, all the world pavilions are, are sponsored by the home country. So they pay to be there. Yeah. And so imagine if you were like Norway and then Disney was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> We're going to take that ride out. We're going to put in a frozen ride. Like people are going to love it, but it takes away from the heart of, you know, I don't know what the Norwegian experience, but I guess you know, would you really go to Disney world for the Norwegian experience? No, you go to see, um, whatever their names are, Elsa and, uh, Anna. whatever. Well, I have to, yeah, like, there you so, go. You'll know this soon enough, but like my, uh, my, my kids are obsessed with frozen and that's something that Disney hit a, and this is something I've had discussions before with other friends, especially friends that are cast members. Frozen, it's sure it's popular. It's everywhere, and like almost to the point where it's so saturated. Like you see, there was, four, was it four million um, Anna and Elsa costumes were sold. Um, That's crazy. This so last crazy. Halloween, like four million. Like it's crazy, right? Yeah. And this is like a year after the movie's been out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's crazy. Yeah. And what's what? So what's crazy about it is that they in MGM Studios, which I still call it MGM Studios. Um, is the same thing. Like it feels you go in there and today and it just kind of feels like dirty, like kind of like you guys aren't really trying to clean this place. Are you like, you know, the, this, this just smells weird and it doesn't, it's not the same and it has lost a lot of the energy and the vibe. And so with the new, like they, they are talking about, you know, the star Wars stuff and, I guess there's like an Avatar Land, I guess yeah, coming, that's like coming, which yeah. which I guess may will coincide with the release of the the next films, but but all of that if they do if they start from the bottom like you know and like you know scrap it and like redo new things or they just keep putting the same coat of paint on like the parks over and over again that it, it's starting to get a little stale, a little stinky, a little you know gross, and you think God, I paid how much money did I pay to come in here and this is what it is now. Yeah, and I, I think that's a part. Another part of the film that I really appreciate is that the two camera guys I have—I have one camera guy who's doing most of the work when we're in the parks, and then 
my friend Zach, who um, who came along with us, uh, is you know Brooklyn kid, born and raised. Like you've never been to Disney World, and his insight and like perspective on the park, I think, is so amusing because um, he just doesn't get it. He's like this 25 year old guy who's like, I don't get any of this. This is, doesn't make sense to me. Like I understand he is, I understand theme parks. I understand going to like amusement parks and like getting on roller coasters and having fun, but this is not fun. This is not amusing. <laughs> Uh, I guess it has a theme, but it's yeah. He he's a very interesting character to me. And I have, sometimes have to wonder if it's just that yeah. We're, are we all just brainwashed from an early age? Um, and then you talk to someone who had never been, and they it kind of like solidifies that theory. Well, it's interesting too because you you brought up Horizon earlier, and I actually remember that ride. Um, but it's I hadn't thought about that ride in so long. Disney does a great job of making you forget about things. So like for me, it's like gosh, I I forgot all about it. And like when you when you when you had the footage up on there, it brought back all these memories. Like especially the kid that's like kind of uh, in the upper right hand corner, and he's got like the hose or whatever the space suit. He's all like talking to his parents. I'm just like, oh my god, I remember that. And like it hit me so hard. And it's just like Disney's kind of made it. <clears throat> excuse me, Disney's kind of made it like it's the Atlantis, city of Atlantis. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lost treasure. Like it's gone forever. Like you'll never be able to experience that again. And I think they kind of tried to experiment with uh, was the the Michael Jackson Captain EO. Yeah, they brought, they brought it, it back. back and it did phenomenal. Yeah, it's it did still really well. There. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Like every April Fools, there's a joke now that like gets posted on Facebook that they're gonna build this fifth park that's like you know, ghosts of Disneyland past or Disney world past or whatever. Um, and they're going to rebuild all of these ancient uh, rides that are forgotten about like horizons and bring back Mr. Toad and like all these other random ones. Uh, and every year people are like, Oh my God, it's going to happen. But of course it's an April fool's joke. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I am like, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of over the, some of the Disney stuff. Like I, I see my mom still goes three or four times a year, lives in Ohio, has a season pass. Um, but like, I, it's just so expensive. Like that's the thing that really bugs me about it. Like I could travel like all over the world for the price of a, of a Disney vacation these days. Um, so, but t- talk to me again in like five years when I have a five-year-old, you know, little girl who yeah. wants nothing more than to go to Disney. You're going to be asking to stay at our houses so you can go. Yeah, right, which, right, right, By right. the way, that is always open to you. You're not the first person. <laughs> tr- truthfully, you're not the first person we've ever opened that up to. I think our favorite story is we had some of the people from King of the Nerds and we invited them on a oh, podcast. Wow. We were like, hey, stay at our house and we'll take you to Megacon thinking they know us through a podcast and Twitter. No way they're going to show up. They all showed up it's at true. my house, yep. like eight of them, and I was like, That's "Holy hilarious. crap, this really happened!" And like, I took it to MegaCon every day. I cooked breakfast for them and dinner. So the 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 doors to Casa de Deuce are always open to you guys. <laughs> so if you ever you know need a place to stay close to Orlando, let us know. But I, I agree with you. You know, it, it, it's interesting the things they're doing now with the new Star Wars land, new Avatar land that's coming. But uh, it, it, it's gotten a little stale. I think the only thing that's gotten any kind of reaction for me lately is the food and wine. And to be honest with you, for most Floridians, that's like the only time they really go there is for food and wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see that, definitely. Because even the new Fantasyland stuff at Magic Kingdom is... People like are like, oh, this is cool. Wait, I'm bored now. Like I went on that that the uh, Seven Dwarfs ride, and I couldn't get into oh, the, the one I had to get so. off of, which I made him like get me off of. That was a funny story. 
Yeah, well, because you go. Why did you have to get off? Well, no, no, no. Like I, I've I've got PTSD because I was in a pretty bad car accident, so I don't really do well on roller coasters. Mm. And like I was with my girlfriend, and her family, and they were like, "Oh, we're gonna go on," and we got the fast pass. We got on. They locked the buckle down on me, and as soon as they did that, I went, "Nope, nope." And they're like, what? And I'm like, nope. And they're like, oh, is it not tight enough? I'm like, nope, get me off, get me off. So, like, literally they had to stop it before it even launched and, like, get it off. I'm getting off, and there's, like, I don't know, about a million nine-year-olds in front of me. Like, what's going on with him, Daddy? Like, Daddy's like, oh, he's a pussy. And, (laughs) like, I'm walking off while the rest of of the people I'm with go on the mine cart ride. Wow, And I'm just like, yeah. Because it, here's the thing with me when it comes to stuff like that. If I got three or four drinks in me, I'm fine. But Disney World, the, the world proper, has no alcohol. So it's like right. I couldn't prime the pump and be ready to go. So I was like, no, I'm not going to get a PTSD experience and get off this with no liquor around. Like, you guys go, have a party, mine, you know, mine the shit out of that mine cart. Like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> Yeah, you can find me on uh, It's a Small World when you're done. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. I actually went and saw, like, uh, they had, uh, oh, goodness, what is it? They had Cinderella's mom and, like, the other two evil stepsisters out there, and I went and hung out with them for a little bit because I had to, like, take it down a notch because I'm like, oh, I can't be like this when they get off the rides. I gotta, like, I'm going to go hang down. out with these evil, these evil bitches. These evil bitches in corsets because it's kind of calming me down. So Yeah, that's funny. I Man. actually wanted to know something that, because Deuce and I haven't read the actual book, The Dark Side of Disney. What are some things that you had to cut? Like, because obviously you said this wasn't an, an exact replication of the book. This is sure. like your. But what were some things you were just like, this cannot make it in film. There's no way. I feel like we did a we did a pretty decent job because there's the, you know the Utilidor stuff is there. Um, while we don't specifically go into the like where to do drugs or, or uh, things like that, um, we do examine the why with uh, with the whole Logan stuff. Um, drinking around the world, of course, is covered. Um, even the hotel stuff, like, is kind of uh, examined. He one the one big thing he says in the book is that you should never stay off site um, because there's just, according to him, no reason to stay. If you're going to Disney, you should go to Disney. Uh, uh, the one another big tip that he has in the book that I really like um, is that there are these services in Orlando, um, and I found they're in most major cities now, actually, especially in tourist uh, towns. Um, there's these services where you can call if you're staying in a hotel and you know the hotel room and everything already, um, you can correlate with them to deliver groceries and booze, uh, to your hotel room ahead of time. Um, so if you're like ready to have like a dark side of Disney, like weekend, you can have all your stuff sent to like, you know, whatever hotel on Disney property you want. And it'll be in your fridge, like ready to go when you get there. Wow. That sounds like a party deuce. That sounds like happy hour with Johnny deuce party. At least I live close enough. Like. My fridge is always stocked with beer. I'm a bachelor. I'm 33 now, as much as I hate to say it, and uh, <laughs> no kids, no wife. So, like, all my beer, all my fridge has is pretty much beer and condiments. That's it. So, like, I, I, I don't need that particular service, but I like it. But I did want to ask you one question. Since I am on Friday doing beer around the world, what would be your inside tip oh, God. if it were you know, that, for uh, beer around the world? I think it's kind of obvious. There's two kind of obvious things that uh, we 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 did it pretty simple like uh we started with a frozen margarita which yeah. wasn't the best i don't think that's the best way to start i don't think that's be the best way to prime the pump i always say beer before liquor never sicker so if you exactly. do liquor and then you go to beer it's like yeah that's not a great way either but yeah and then we did beer at every other country we just had you know the, the beers in every country except for and we have like the, the montage of us uh, string around the world kind of takes a pause to like really spotlight this moment 
we stop in like 90 degree, like August or September, um, like Florida humid weather to get hot sake in Japan. Yeah, when I saw yeah. that scene, I'm like, that's a bad life choice, brother. That's, that is a yeah. bad life choice. I regret nothing in life except for that one. It was, uh, uh, and, and here's what you want to you want to peek behind the curtain a little bit. Oh, we um, love that. That's actually one of our drinking uh, games on the show. When we say peel behind the curtain, everybody has yeah. to take a drink. So, so there you go. I I was the 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 wimp that did not um, drink every single one of those drinks. Um, the hot sake I couldn't I could not finish. Like I've, I I've you know drank sake before and I'm fine with it, but after like four or five beers and a margarita already. To like drink this hot sake, I was like, oh, it was disgusting. That's a puke then, party waiting to happen right there. Yeah, and then I didn't finish the last beer either because of the the text message that that I get in the movie with the whole um, baby blanket stuff. I just like I I lose it. I lose it hard at that moment, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't even finish that last beer. Um, but thankfully, I was with with, with Zach, who's a, a I know I love Zach. I. Zach is basically the quasi deuce in your party. He's like, well, if you're not gonna drink it, I'll take it. I'll totally drink it. Yeah, he's ready at any time. And he also he also has that dry like wit of just like constantly being like dark side, like about yeah. the dumbest shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like, drinking he's, a beer. Fun. he's on test drive and he's like dark side. Yeah, it was like, yeah. What's dark side about this? Like I don't know. But he just dude, he was a hoot. Like he's one of my favorite parts of that movie. And I think the the fun thing is you've got you, you've got Zach, you've got your third buddy with you who does a lot of the filming and you've got a good little family right there with the three it's of a good guys. crew joe yeah. joe who you don't see as much joe's the one that we captured at the end of drinking around the world peeing uh between the cars and the oh i lot. love that that was hilarious because uh i won't say that i have done it but allegedly i know a lot of people that have done that where you finally get out of epcot and you're like look we got to drive another hour home and you're like dude i'm dropping trial and i'm you know doing what i got to do right here Dark side. Dark side. Um, yeah, Dark Joe, side. Joe is great. Joe was my um, cinematographer on on the bubble. Also, the film about um, the uh, town of Celebration, Florida, uh, and he and I spent a, it was like ten days. We are we were only in, in Orlando for a week for for Dark Side of Disney, but for the bubble, um, we were in Celebration, Florida for for ten solid days. And that that can turn a man's mind into into jelly. Uh, being in that that perfect little town. Well, actually, Philip, I wanted to ask you about that because when I saw that on your documentary and when you explained the two type of Disney people, I really love that. And being here from the inception of a celebration when we thought basically it was going to be kind of like the Truman Show with Jim Carrey and <laughs> how very strict they were about everything and were like, this is nuts. It, how can people find that movie? Because I think that movie is a great companion piece to the dark side of Disney. And it's a movie I personally want to watch. Same here. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the website for it is thebubbledocumentary.com. Very simple, but um, it's available to rent uh, for video on demand through uh, Amazon and Vimeo, um, and you can get it on DVD through Amazon also. Um, it's like a dollar ninety nine for like a three day rental, so it's totally worth, well, it. I, totally I, worth I, it. I recommend it. <laughs> well, I really actually want to see that, so I'm I'm looking forward to that because check it out. It's only an hour long. Also, it's a shorter one. Yeah, um, it's only an hour long. It uh, every movie I've ever made uh, it had features original music from my friend Gabe Shrey. Um, and so all the music that if you liked it in Dark Side of Disney, it's kind of the same kind of music, and it uh, works out really well uh, for both films. Now I'm a I'm a tech enthusiast. Like I I love technology. What were you filming with, and like what equipment were you working with? 
Yeah, so normally we've, we've been shooting, thanks to, you know, the modern digital um, craze, we shoot mainly with DSLRs, you know, uh, Canon 5D, Mark III is what we did most of our stuff with um, in uh, Celebration, um, and more of, like, the interview stuff for Dark Side of Disney. Now, of course, um, if you're using a uh, counterfeit cast member ID um, and snooping around the backstage areas of Magic Kingdom and Epcot, you probably don't want to have a DSLR around your neck. Um, so we shot all of the behind the scenes, like snooping around stuff, literally just on an iPhone. Like I have an iPhone five. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of research on it ahead of time. Uh, and there are, there's, there's, you know, some smoothing things that you can, um, like, uh, plugins for final cut that you can use to help, even though if you're shooting handheld, uh, you can like, you know, smooth it out digitally. Um, it's another thing, another, I mean, not to keep plugging the DVD, but uh, part of like the uncut features you get access to on the DVD um, is, is like a, a, all of the uh, Utilidor stuff uh, is there to be seen. And a lot of it, there, it's kind of, you know, messy and shaky and you don't really see much, but um, it, uh, it, I think it worked out really well for its purposes. You can see in one shot, there's, you know, there's like two shots where I'm like in the bathroom at the Epcot Employee Center and I'm like obviously just filming with my phone. You see me in the mirror. Um, but, uh, so yeah, this, this one for Dark Side of Disney, we shot at almost anything we could get our hands on. Zach filmed a lot of stuff with a camcorder, like the stuff that he shot on Space Mountain and some of the other random things are just shot like on a Canon Vixia camcorder. Um, and then you also, of course, see a ton of like old school VHS archival stuff and even some old like eight millimeter stuff uh, in the film. So this way it was fun. Um, I, but one of the reasons why I make films, I've been making films since I was like 13, like literally just like, you know, shooting dumb movies with my friends. And then I just kind of bit me and I couldn't get rid of it. Um, but part of the thing that I really got into with filmmaking in general uh, in the early days was, was editing. I always loved the, the editing aspect of it. Uh, and it's it, with digital editing, it's it becomes sort of this um, kind of just like a video game, like really is what it is. You're, it's like this kind of advanced, complex video game. Uh, and I was surprised, and it was a kind of a big challenge actually to kind of kind of get all the formats to play well together. Uh, I still use Final Cut Seven because um, that's what I cut my teeth on. Um, but I, people have had a lot of problems in the past with mixing all this different kind of footage, like mixing. HD DSLR stuff with iPhone, with camcorders, with old school like archival footage. Um, but uh, if you get your settings right, it all plays well together. Well, Philip, I got to give you a lot of credit because to be honest with you, that stuff when you go kind of behind the utilidor, I thought you were using like a camcorder. I'm like, how the hell did they sneak a camcorder back there? Because it looks so good. I thought you were using like a real video camera. I'm like, That's funny, there's yeah. no way they can walk behind there with a real video camera. And to, to find out you actually film that just with an iPhone is yeah. phenomenal. What's crazy is it comes off of a. I teach filmmaking here in high schools, so through some nonprofit organizations that um, bring like the arts into high schools and, and elementary schools and stuff like that. So while I'm out doing this like dark side stuff, I'm like in you know public classrooms, like you know public school classrooms, teaching kids how to make movies. Um, and I had this whole big initiative last school year where every film that my students would make, I work specifically with the, the Tribeca Film Institute. And it was, and it's kind of a big thing because it's connected to the Tribeca Film Festival and the students make films and then they get to screen the student work during the festival on a special day. But it was like my fifth year doing this stuff. And every time we go to see these films, they're all, they always take place in the classroom or in the, the hallway outside the classroom, or maybe if you're lucky, like out on the street outside of the school. Um, but you go to these screenings and they're like two hours long of all these short student films and, 
each one is just kind of the same, looks the same, and feels the same. And so I took it under my, like, it kind of got a bee in my bonnet about it, uh, how all these students have phones. It's like kind of the biggest, like, problem with a modern classroom is you're trying to get your kids to, you know, put away their phones. Um, and there was, like, a switch one day where I was like, wait a second. Let's not, don't put away your phones. Like, take your phone out. Let's use your phone. Let's, like, shoot video with your phone. And let's, like, you know, create uh, YouTube pages where you can, like, upload your videos. And you can email me the videos. And we can cut the videos together and tell stories from your own lives, like, out in your neighborhoods where you live and what you see every day. And we ended up making this, like, amazing little, like, film that really peaked in the lives of these students, uh, more so than any other film that year uh, did. And so doing that for, like, a year, like, really, like, got me to realize this is, you know, this is a viable, like, you know, filmmaking uh, device. You can really shoot stuff and even edit stuff um, all on your phone, and it can look pretty good. In fact, there were two big hits this year at, at Sundance that one was, a narrative and one was a documentary, both of them completely shot on the iPhone. And people at first were like, oh my God. And then they saw the movie and they're like, oh, this is possible. So it's interesting. Well, like I said, like when I watched the film, I could not tell what was shot on an iPhone, what was shot on a video camera. And that's why it surprised me because you're doing all this behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, there's no way they could have gotten the whole camera out there because you see at the beginning of the film, like the big camera rig, your boys got on him. You know, yeah, where, yeah, and I'm like, there's no way he could walk back there with that. And then it's the exact same film quality, and it looks amazing. He, that's Joe for you too. Joe was so cavalier about it. He was like hitting the vape pen like constantly. Uh, that was not tobacco, um, and he was just like rolling up there. Uh, like the first day we went in the parks, I was the. It's all captured on film, uh, where I'm like kind of paranoid. Like I feel like we're gonna get like kicked out. Uh, and he keeps, he's already like stoned from hitting this vape pen and he's like, ah, don't worry about it. And then we go through security and he opens his bag and he's got everything in his bag. He's got a camera, he's got a shoulder mount, he's got a microphone. And I was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, where they didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want to like draw attention to it. But we get through security and I'm like, you brought every, you didn't, why did you bring everything? It's such a red flag that you'd bring all of this filmmaking stuff. And he's like, and nobody cared. And, you know, and nobody did. Nobody gave a shit. No one cared that we had, like, enough, like, equipment to make a, a full-fledged, like, you know, Hollywood blockbuster. Um, they just said, have a magical day and let us in. Well, Philip, actually, it brings me something we talked about in the pre-show meeting and I actually wanted to ask you about because – and I'm going to butcher his name and you can fix it for me. Uh, one of the guys that did this before and went to uh, one of the places kind of off property that got shut down – and got blacklisted. I want to say his name is Nostradamus, but I know that's wrong. <laughs> Nomius. Nomius. Sorry, Nomius. Uh, you know, he got shut down, and you, multiple people said, hey, you got to be careful. It could be a trap. And, it, like, you went to the hotel and said, we want the tickets. And they're like, no, you got to go to the special, you know, guest services, get your tickets. And you were worried about getting caught. Was there any time during the filming of the movie, like, you, where you were worried? Like, you were like, whoa, they might be on to us. There might be... Disney spies, as you kind of said in the pre-show meeting, <laughs> that you were worried about, which I think it, is hilarious that Disney has spies. Like they don't have shit better to do than look out for people like you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I don't. I, it, I that first initial day, I had been, there had been a bit of paranoia bubbling up inside because of like emails that I'd have uh, with the author of the book, um, Leonard Kinsey. Yes. Ooh, excuse me, I just burped there. Um, but. Uh, I, I, I think you earlier when you were talking about like my mom and like get that footage you see from my mom's segment where we like she gets hugged by Goofy and then yeah. she like it has this big like card trick like uh, interaction with uh, with Mickey Mouse like it, that kind of that we did that we did that stuff months before I went to do like the kind of dark side stuff um, 
And that kind of set the precedent, actually, besides that one little paranoid moment where I think I'm going to get busted, uh, it set the precedent that for some reason that everything just kind of went so smoothly and, like, so perfectly. Like, I couldn't have planned a, a million years like, uh, to get a shot of, like, my mom standing in the parade crowd and Goofy comes up and hugs her. Like, I was across the, the, the parade route from my mom, like, filming from a distance, and it just happened to happen. Um, this kid gets super stoned and goes see uh, Christopher Cross at Epcot, and I just happen to, like, pan to the right as his, like, tear is, like, rolling down his cheek. Like, uh, all of these things just kind of happened. Um, and I think, get, like, being able to just go into the park and, like, have this, I don't know, it, it, this confidence maybe, except for that one moment where I was terrified. Yeah. Um, I remember that moment. That moment was actually funny. He's like, we had to get out of here. It got way too it's close also, for me. And then I love yeah. the part where your mom's like, if you get me banned from Disney, like, you're done, son. My, my wife has a really funny analysis of it is that it, it's after I shave my beard that I start to get really, like, uh, I lose all of my confidence. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's like you're like Samson the from the Bible. You lose your hair and you don't have any of your power anymore. A hundred percent. You can see it. Like, there's a first shot where I'm driving, like, into the park and he's like, What are we doing today? And I'm like, I can't even, like, get the words out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's very, very amusing. But, um, yeah, I think we were just weirdly blessed. But then also, then it's also kind of cursed because as a filmmaker, I really wanted we didn't do anything crazy. It's not like we, um, there, there's a documentary called exit to the gift shop. That's about Banksy, the, the yeah, street yeah, artist. Yeah. yeah. And they, they do a thing where they go in and they, they, they prop up these, um, Abu Ghraib, uh, you know, uh, terrorist suspects, uh, these like dummies dressed in like orange uh, jumpsuits. They, they put them in like the, the little like landscape areas by splash mountain and stuff. Uh, and then they get taken to Disney jail and they get kicked out and everything. Cause that's pretty severe. Like that's like a real bad thing they're doing. Like we're just yeah, kind of Disney jail is no joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and I'm, uh, we're making this movie where we're kind of just screwing around. Um, and we're not really drawing in much attention to ourselves. Um, but part of me as like a filmmaker, one of the, one of the number one questions we get at Q and A's after screenings is, is, uh, like, well, like it's, it's, what if you got banned? Like, what would you have done? And I think as a filmmaker and a storyteller, it would have been that much more of an interesting story to like tell the story about, okay, we now we're banned. Uh, this is what happened. This is how we got banned. How do we get unbanned and like kind of follow the process of, of what that's like? Cause there is an appeal process. There's a guy, Adam, the woo, who's a, a real yeah. big uh, YouTube guy. he recently just got his band lifted. Um, and he was one of the guys that was he was in Anaheim for the D23 uh, convention um, and is friends with the author of the book. And he invited him to come to the screening. And uh, I think it was almost like last minute that Adam was like, no, nah, I'm not going to go because I'm in this like appeal process to get my band lifted. And I don't want to be seen at the in the audience of that movie. So uh, showing Logan doing illicit drugs before he actually went to the, you know, to the Christopher Cross concert and before he actually went to the park. How was that as a filmmaker going like, okay, we're going to show this, we're going to show him doing it, and actually him going to the park? How was that for you as a, as a filmmaker? Uh, I think, well, if you got to look at the, the idea of documentary filmmaking and, and uh, documentary filmmaking and journalism in general uh, as something where we're filming something as it's happening, um, there are many other documentaries out there in the world that show much more heinous things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's nature documentaries like that you see, you know, lions devouring gazelle. Uh, and people might say, like, why didn't you stop that lion from killing that gazelle? 
Um, it's not, and of course, this isn't the same thing. Um, no, but I agree. But, like, trust me, like, uh, knowing me, I'm a big drinker. Of course, we are the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. Like, <laughs> I'm going to get totally ripped out of my door frame on Friday when we go to the uh, food and wine festival. So oh, there's sure, people sure, doing sure. a lot worse things. But, like, when I watched a movie, that was the only thing where I was like, wow, like, they're showing, oh, and they're showing them actually smoking it and cutting it up. And I was like, wow, that's got to be. How do yeah, you make I mean, that decision as a filmmaker, you know? It's a thin line, definitely, that you have to walk, and you have to say, like, okay, um, what at the end of the day, what negative um, aspect is this going to... Uh, people aren't going to see that and be like, oh, I want to try that. Um, maybe they will, but it's the same thing as, like, seeing a, a Fast and the Furious movie and being like, oh, I want to drive that car real fast. Um, same kind of idea. Uh, and that's, of course, a fictional film. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a moral question to, to ask about. Um, and at the end of the day, the important thing is, uh, I think it would be one thing if Logan didn't know that we were filming and didn't yeah. uh, agree with what we were doing. You know, he, um, he was there for the whole process, of course, and he, uh, signed a release form saying, I, I agree that anything that is in the movie, I'm okay with, um, had he not known, had I been like wearing like a hidden camera and, um, you know, didn't uh, get permission to use his face and then showed it while he was doing drugs, that would be one thing. But I think since every party in the film uh, is is involved in the process uh, with their complete approval and acknowledgement, uh, I think it's perfectly okay. Well, and also I want to actually thank you for putting that in the film, Philip. Like I said, I'm I'm not a drug user myself. But showing somebody like that and his story and like, hey, you know, he gone through these hard times and this is like his happy place and this is what he does to go to his happy place kind of it, it gave so many layers to the onion of the story you were telling. Like it made that story so good and actually gave it a whole nother layer that I wasn't expecting. Like I was like, oh, OK, it's Dark Side Disney. They'll show him drinking. They'll show him, you know, maybe going behind the scenes. But then I saw that. And I was like. Whoa, this got this got heavy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's I, yeah. I think it's um. Oh, my mind just wandered there. I had a I had a good point, but I forget. Oh, okay, yeah. It's one thing you could go on. There's a hundred thousand videos on YouTube that you could be like, if you search like "Hi at Disney" or whatever, you'll see like some punk like walking around like smoking a joint in the in the, the smoking area, you know, being uh, probably saying "Dark Side" while he's doing it. Um, <laughs> Dark Side. And that's and that's something that I think initially people were worried I was going to be doing, like as like you said, like kind of the jackass at Disney World kind of thing. Um, but to me, that a that already exists, it's already out there on on YouTube. You can go watch that right now for you know probably the next hundred years because of how much there is out there. Um, and so it did boil more down to the why. Like so, yeah, if I, if I had made a movie that was just Logan like ripping a bong and then going and watching uh, a concert, um, that would I don't think that would have been a good movie. Um, but I think what elevates the film, uh, from a YouTube video to an actual documentary is that we do examine why we examine why, what causes, what, what happened in this kid's life? Like, where is he coming from? And, uh, and I think that that makes it all the more palatable, uh, on that level, hopefully. I do. And also I think it was more palatable because like Logan needed a family. Like I felt like he was a guy that really yeah, needed some people great point. and you were like the family that embraced him. You're like, Hey, you know, we get it, man. We're with you. And you, you embrace him as a family, which I think was uh really, really cool on you guys' part. Yeah. And, and he brings it up there in the, in the initial email interaction that we, we show in the film, uh, where he refers to like Leonard as like his like you know fucked up father figure or something like that, um, and that's and that's what we found with all of this stuff. I was surprised by how deep I got into it with this uh, this fringe community 
is that it is this family, like uh, as much as like the Disney show your Disney side, the hashtag Disney side or whatever it is, is a community of, of Disney fans. There's also this this dark side community that is just as strong and just as, uh, as 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 potent and rich as those people. I think like the, the Disney gang stuff that's happened in Disneyland is also so interesting because that's just this organic thing that kind of bubbled up, uh, and now it's this huge thing that's like wholly accepted by the park. Oh, and I want to get to that in just one second, but I wanted to, before I ended this thought, to say I love how the author of The Dark Side of Disney was like, look, if you mess up anybody's uh, experience at Disney, they spent so much money on this, there's a special place in hell for you. So I was like, if Logan got out of line, I had this feeling like you were going to snatch him up and be like, (laughs) oh, no, we're getting you out of here right now before, A, you get any of us in trouble, and two, before you ruin anybody's experience because – What he said was right. Like, people save for a year to take their family to these parks, and there's some guy out there just tripping balls, walking around, acting a fool, like, it ruins somebody's vacation. Like, there's a special place in hell for them because they're right. Like, there's these people from, you know, the Midwest, from the Bible Belt, from, you know, these middle states that fly out to Orlando, that come to the parks, that want to have a good family experience, and they got somebody, you know, tripping acid next to them that's acting the doof. Like, yeah, I agree with that. There's a special place in hell for you for ruining their experience, and I, I love that. It's probably one of my favorite lines from the whole movie. There, There's something about Leonard that is so uh, – It's ama- Leonard is amazing. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, he, if you've seen the movie, he lives in Baltimore, and he's just this Disney fan. Um, but I, I remember talking to uh, Guy Hutchinson and David Snyder from, from Junk on Disney about it, uh, is that when you read the book, you think he's – just gonna like kick in the door and be like fuck you disney like piss on the carpet and then like you know tip over the lamp and uh get a bunch of heroin in the corner um but then you actually meet him and talk to him and he's just a sweet nice guy who just really loves disney and like genuinely like was kind of bummed out as an adult that he couldn't like capture the the same like vibe he has had uh, had as a kid uh and that's where the kind of the dark side thing was born with him um and he, yeah, he has he has more respect for it. The people I got attacked uh, early on too because people from we call like the pixie uh, pixie dusters because they would say there's no such thing as a dark side of Disney. How dare you? But those people to me aren't aren't the real fans. Like a real fan, like someone like Leonard, is someone that wants to consume it from all sides. Like you want to you want to pick it up and you want to look on on the bottom side of it and see what the thing you're not supposed to look at. Uh, that's the the true fan, I think. No, and I agree with that totally. And I actually uh, I love when Leonard's on the movie and he talks because he's kind of like the Disney aficionado, and he gives you he's almost like the Disney Obi Wan Kenobi. Like he kind of tells you, "Hey, <laughs> this is what's good to do. This is what's good not to do." And you know, and also he he kind of tempers it. You know what I'm saying? Like he says, "Hey, you can do these things, but if you mess up anybody's trip, like." you you are totally screwing up and that's what right. i like about him like he's kind of like that totally middle of the road kind of you know yeah yeah he's super zen about it too yeah he's like there's it's a thin line and you and you can easily tip over to either side you can tip over and, and be this pixie duster or you could tip over and um be this jerk ruining everybody's vacation but if you walk that thin line you're gonna have a better time because of it i don't know if this was intentional or not but i don't i you start off the film with your mother and then you end it with the shots of your daughter and it, it was like this awesome, like perspective, like this uh, paradigm shift, if you will, of like complete in the circle, complete in the circle, like your mom, and then now with the birth of your daughter, like your mom gave birth to you, you know what I mean? And she's a Disney fan, going now to your daughter, 
who will end up hopefully being a Disney fan as well. I actually really like that dynamic, and I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's what I got from that. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. It was 100% intentional because we have the bookend. Like we don't we see my mom at the beginning a lot, and then we don't hear from her at all from through the whole movie, and then we check back in with her at the end there to hear the story about, about it. Um, it's I think it's, I think I really enjoyed that part. Um, obviously, because I made it, and a uh, or b because it's my mom. But in the beginning, we're talking about um, losing my grandmother and saying goodbye to her, and then she comes back at the end of the movie to talk about like why does she go back? Like okay, you know my mom's been dead for so long. Why do I go back? And then uh, I think there's that that really great shot that I was able to capture of like my mom. You see my mom's face, and she's just like so happy. And then the camera kind of spins around and we see the castle and we see what she was looking at. Uh, and then she tells the whole cancer story, of course. Um, and then, yeah, the last shot is is of Margot, my, my daughter, uh, sitting with me and my wife, which actually is the exact same. We tried to make the exact – there's a shot towards the fr- end of the first act where we meet my wife for the first time. Um, and she's sitting on this bench in this park and she's, you know, eight months pregnant. Um, and she tells us a little bit about Margot and her concerns about the trip. And then the last shot of the movie is the exact same thing. It's the exact same setup, you know, the tilt down from the trees. And then we see uh, the park bench, but this time it's, you know, me and um, Margot and my, and my wife. Uh, and it's kind of the same zoom in on her uh, and then the pan down to reveal uh, the Mickey Mouse doll in her lap. Um, so, yeah, that, I, most of the, the film, we, the thing I kind of love about documentary is that you're often kind of just shooting from the hip and trying to, you're hoping you capture moments moments like i didn't plan to capture logan's tear i didn't plan to capture goofy hugging my mom uh you just were lucky that you caught them like there's a lot of luck that goes into the documentary um but those that's that's one of those shots that was 100 percent planned like when i shot the first initial interview with my wife when she was eight months pregnant it was uh i tried just to make it look nice i tried to make it look as good as it could um and then when we came back to do the margo stuff that was probably the only shot in the film uh, or a series of shots that was really planned out. Like we really thought about it. Uh, I shot the stuff with just my wife, but then my friend Joe shot the stuff with me and my wife. So we really did a lot of like side by side comparisons. Like brought like the laptop out with us to the park, and we're looking at it. Okay, does that look the same? Yeah, that looks the same. Um, for something that most ninety percent of the audience isn't probably going to even notice. Um, but I, it's nice that you, yeah, you could see that it kind of pays off there sometimes. Well, I love the part at the beginning with your wife where she's talking about like, look, if you guys get into trouble, like we don't have money for legal bills. And like, <laughs> if you get in serious trouble, like, uh, we're going to be up the Creek without a paddle, which by the way, if you ever run into those, uh, the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce has an amazing legal department. So, uh, <laughs> if you ever need some legal advice, especially in the Florida area, we've got a guy. So Good to know. FYI. Uh, I wanted to ask you one more question before we wrapped it up. Yeah. I really love the stuff, especially when you were talking about going to Anaheim, about the gangs of Disney over in sure. Disneyland, which is over in Anaheim. Uh, tell me more about that, because I thought that was so interesting with the pinup girls and the girls talking about, you know, I'm a mom, I've got an autistic kid, and this is like our thing, and they all go together, and they've got the Sons of An- Anarchy kind of jackets, as <laughs> yeah. they call them, the, 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 the vests. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool that they had these kind of, you know, uh, Sons of Anarchy style gangs over there with all these different people. And they've got different clubs and cliques. And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I thought it was so interesting. Yeah, it's another um, it's another side 
of the film that I wanted to the it's idea like the book tells you how and where and like I said earlier about the YouTube videos you can go watch people high at Disney World you can go watch people you know being jerks at Disney World uh, when I first heard about the Disney gangs it was something that was really well documented there were all of these you know stories about these dudes there's always dudes in like leather jackets like you know leather vests that had like made their like you know names and their their cliques and their group and their crew uh, their crews and they. Um, were just these social clubs that, that, that kind of like took it real serious. They're Disney loved they're, they're, uh, California residents. So they get the cheap access and they live nearby. So they're there every weekend, excuse me. And it, and it kind of, um, was born out of car culture. Like they would do car shows and these guys would roll up with their cars. And then over time it just became something that all of a sudden there were these, these gangs of different Disney, uh, crew. And there's no, nothing negative about them. They, they do sometimes um, enforce the laws. Like, so if they see you like cut in line or they see you like, I don't know, throw a cigarette butt on the ground when you're not in the designated smoking area, they may like say like, Hey, watch it. And they've received some stories about people being like um, pulled off to, to a security guard or something by, by the um, gangs, but they never, they don't mean any harm. Uh, so when it came time to make the film, I, I like all of that was already out there. There's, you can look at YouTube videos of the, the Disney gangs. You can read articles about them. But the there was somebody that connected me to this all women uh, all girl version of the the, the gang the, these these pinup pixies um, which are part of the bangerang bunch which they have their male counterparts also yeah um, and it, to me that was more of an interesting thing uh, and and I'll be hundred percent honest at first I was like God these this is and it's almost the way I feel about everybody when I start to like get into these weird fringe communities. My first initial thought, and it's it's like the jerk inside of me, is like these people are nuts. Like this is nuts. You guys are nuts. Like I can't believe. Why do you do this? Why can't you just go to the park and have fun? But then I hung out with them like the entire day. Like I was there in the in the morning first thing. Actually, we shot the interview the night before. Yeah. Uh, and I got got to know them a little bit, and then I hung out with them all the next day. Uh, and then when you start to realize, well, no, these are these are these people are nuts. These people love Disney. They're already pinup models, so they already have like the skills to like you know get themselves dolled up. Um, they uh, are all of them are moms who just want a break. Like, and I now as like a kid, we have like a almost one year old. Like, I get it. You got to have a break. You got to have an excuse to like get away for a weekend and and find something to do with your friends. Uh, and, uh, the more and more I hung out with them, the more and more I heard their story, I a hundred percent support what they do and, and love them all the more for it. Um, and it's, I think it's really cool. The, one of the best things uh, on a separate note that my, my wife has said about the movie is that she, she said, you know, she's like, I never a hundred percent got what your mom's fascination with Disney was. Like I get that she goes there and I get that it's her thing, but I just, it never clicked with me. It never made a hundred percent sense. And then I saw this movie and I get it now. I get it. I understand why your mom is the way she is. I understand why she does what she does. And I love her all the more for it. Um, and that's what I hope people will, will see with the film. Maybe they'll go in and be like, who are these crazy people? Well, what are these weirdos? And then they'll sit down and watch it. Uh, and they'll realize, oh, no, these aren't weirdos at all. These are just people that um, want to have a community. They want to have a, a, a connection, a deeper connection uh, to something they are, that they love. Well, like I said, I love seeing them there. And they call them their cuts. The, uh, mm-hmm. the kind of cut off, you know, jackets, you know, and also, like you said, like a lot of real biker games, like they're really nice people and they're like, hey, don't throw your cigarette, but they're, hey, quit being a jerk. You know, they're actually there to kind of enforce some of the rules that maybe security can't enforce and seeing the mom, especially the mom with the autistic child. And they're like, look, you know, 
this is my fun weekend with my friends, and, you know, I go and I have a good time, and I also take my son here when I can take him. Like, it was just a really – you hit so many good beats with your movie. It was amazing. Like, you would you would hit funny, funny, funny heart punch, funny, funny, funny gut punch. Like, it was so good and such an amazing movie. Uh, you guys out there listening, you've got to come and see this. You've got to go to Gods and Monsters and go see it in Orlando – and see the showing because this movie is phenomenal. And trust me, coming from a guy who watched it in bed on his phone, cannot wait to see it on a big screen in front of a lot of people, especially because Gods and Monsters got a bar where you can have a couple drinks, have a good time, do a Q&A with you guys. And who all is actually going to be there at the showing to kind of do Q&A? So we definitely have uh, 100% confirmed it's going to be me, um, Leonard Kinsey, the author of the book, my mom, uh, who is one of the, the superstars of the film, uh, my wife, uh, who is there in the film too, of course, um, and Hoot Gibson, uh, who is the uh, we'll call him urban explorer, who is uh, uh, Hoot is my favorite dude hands down. Um, he's he's wonderful. I'll talk more about something in a second, but uh, so Leonard Hoot, my mom, my wife, and I think that's it. I'm trying to think because I know Dana can't make it because he's got some he's got a conflict. The woman yeah. uh, Roxy Tart from the from the Bangarang Bunch, she can't make it out because they're, they're on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. and James uh, from Creepy Kingdom is also on the West Coast. So, Oh, which yeah, uh, so come see me Kingdom, on. he was the guy that did the podcast with you guys, and he's actually from the West Coast? He was uh, from – he lived in New Jersey uh, and then would, was a big fan of, of Disney uh, World and everything. And he actually – when I met him, he's been like my biggest supporter forever. Uh, I met him a long time ago when, we, when I was just trying to pitch the bubble around, uh, trying to get some promo for that. And he, um, like, he emailed me. It was like, this looks awesome. Like, it falls right in line with the Creepy Kingdom kind of brand thing that I'm doing. Uh, can come on to the podcast and we'll talk. And we talked for, like, two hours about Celebration, how weird it is. Um, and then he just kept, we, we just kept checking back in. And, and uh, when it came time to do the Dark Side of Disney stuff, he's actually the guy who connected me with Roxy Tart from the, the Pinup Pixies. Because uh, he does a podcast with her, which is yeah. the weird crossover that you see, I think, at the end of the movie. When, yeah, when, when they're Margo's doing the Google birth. Hangout and they talk about your your baby just being born. Yeah. So and now James... we've got a guy we've got to compete with because we want that number one spot. So uh, <laughs> now we've got a, well, a competitor. I mean, I shouldn't maybe, uh, maybe we could talk more about it offline, but are you guys planning on coming to the screening at all? Do you know if you're going to be there? Uh, I don't know, but I would, uh, I'll tell you what, if I got a free ticket sitting there, my ass will be there. So here's, so. So here's the deal. You guys, well, and we can talk more about it offline, yeah. but originally I pitched the screening, especially the costume contest stuff, um, was going to be hosted by um, Drunk on Disney. That guy, Hutchinson and Dana Snyder, were going to yeah. come. Gonna, they were going to do a live podcast, and they were going to judge the costume contest and everything. Uh, but they both had conflicting obligations, so they couldn't come. And then I said to James, hey, do you want to come and do a live Creepy Kingdom? You know, And he is on the West Coast. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, and, I don't, and I think he's not coming for sure. Um, so you guys are in the area. If you've got nothing better to do on Saturday, November 14th from 6 to whatever, um, you guys should totally come down and do like a live uh, happy hour podcast well, and help hey, us like judge of the contest. Give me like half a second because I'm looking at my schedule right now. I can't promise you johnny for sure but i think i can tell you november 14th hang on one second this is this is thrilling right now he's yeah, looking at his I, phone I, guys no, 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 phone. i'm looking at it i no will deuce. miss i will miss the ronda rousey fight oh only wait, well, if that is a big deal. only if i can be the official podcast for the show and do a live <laughs> podcast with you at gods and monsters 
You can 100% do that, but I also, again, I don't want you to, to miss out on the Ronda Rousey fight. Um, Logan can't be there. He was he, he was all set to come, and he said that he got tickets for a concert that he cannot miss that night. And I get it. People get obligations. I just put you on the spot, so think about it. Think about no, it. No, no, no. I don't go. need to think about it. I'm telling you right now in stone, brother, if you've got me a free ticket and we can actually live podcast, it may not be Johnny and Deuce. It may be Deuce, but I will be there with the soundboard do a live podcast with you and be there for the show because, to be honest with you, and I don't want to sound creepy at all, I kind of really want to meet your mom. Like, your mom was one of the favorite people of the whole movie for me. It's I was one like, of those rare times where someone could say something like that. Yeah, I was like, wow, like, it really Dude, hit me in the mom. feels because, like, my mom had cancer and, like, I totally understood all of it. So we would love to be there live. I will hit you up on Facebook. We can friend each other, do the friendy, friendy thing on uh, Facebook. <laughs> And I trust me, brother, I would love to be there with the soundboard That's awesome. then and do a live do podcast. I think and Brian Scott, who has been my like point person in Orlando, he um, set this whole thing up with you guys tonight. Uh, he'll probably like flip his nut being so happy about um, about this, too, because we were looking for someone to be a proper sort of like, um, you know, kind of a, a host. And you have such a great personality. You'd be, you'd be a good uh, boisterous presence for sure. Well, you've got me now lock, stock and two smoking barrels. I hope you can handle it. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, what else we got? So Saturday, November 14th, you can get your tickets at Be BSOD. there, B-Square, the happy yeah. hour with Johnny and Deuce. will be live podcasting there now since it happened live on our show. We're going to be there. Uh, I'm, Dude, I'm pumped. Like, I'm like, it, I was at an 8, and now I'm at a 14, like a 10. Like, like I'm Keep in mind, it is, it is a Dark Side of Disney costume contest that's going on. So you've got to dig something out of your closet. Uh, and come in something. Come with something. You can no, just I've got to wear my happy hour shirt. That's part of the uh, the uniform. Like I've got to go to all my events and happy hour t-shirts. Oh, perfect. There you go. So because the uh, uh, my CPA, uh, my accountant says I can only go to events in that shirt if I want to write them off on my taxes. So perfect. You know. Perfect. Yeah. Like I great. said, happy hour. With Johnny Deuce has an amazing legal department. So uh, <laughs> if you ever have any problems, we're the guys to talk to. Cool. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, wear that shirt and we'll be set and ready to go. Yeah, dsoddoc.com. Uh, that's like dark side of Disney. Doc.com to get your pre order tickets. Uh, it's going to be a great night. Everything We kick off everything at 6. Uh, we'll be giving out prizes during the costume contest and then the screening starts at 9 30. Well, awesome. Well, we are super duper stoked, excited now to be the official podcast at Gods and Monsters <laughs> yeah. for the yeah, show. Yeah, take that. I mean, take that, Dana Snyder. Take and that. <laughs> take that, my arch nemesis, Dana, who's the official podcast now. So, <laughs> you know, I love it. That, that'll be more even Twitter hate between the two of us. So we could cut some more Twitter promos on each other, which I love. Hello? Are we still there? Yeah, we're still <laughs> here. Uh, sorry, yeah. Philip. I almost went on a good. WWE promo there. I apologize. Well, no, Phillip, that was great. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. You spent an hour and a half with us, which I really appreciate taking out of your busy time as a, as a father of a newborn. You know, uh, that's a lot of time to take. So thank you so much. Uh, we can't wait to see you at the show at Gods and Monsters. We're going to have so much fun. So all the Happy Hour fans come out there and see us. And it's going to be a great show. It's awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. 
So, Johnny, how do they find us on our social media choice? Uh, they can find us uh, at HH Podcast Show on the Twitter machine and, of course, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast Show. And, of course, when you're talking about the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, there's three hashtags you want to put in your social media of choice. That's hashtag Happy Hour Podcast, hashtag HH Podcast Show, and, and hashtag, hashtag Deuces on the, on the loose. loose. Later. See ya.